Have you ever wondered how sensitive the South African rand is to shocks and other currencies? In this podcast, we are going to explore the latest research on modeling bilateral spillover effects in order to contextualize currency movements from the South African rand's perspective. Good day, and welcome to another episode of Ursa's podcast series. With us today is Dr. Rousseau van Jaasveld from the Reserve Bank. Some of you may remember him from our SAMNET workshops we hosted last year. Today, though, we will be discussing his latest research, which is entitled South African Rand Risk and Return Spillovers in a Global Model of the Foreign Exchange Network. At the end of this podcast, Rousseau will be giving us some good advice to those of you interested in developing a similar type of model. Welcome, Rousseau. What a pleasure to chat to you again. We are grateful that you can join us on a podcast today. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. So, Rousseau, it's your first time on a podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what drew you to this area of research? Uh, thank you, Margot. I am currently a consultant at the South African Reserve Bank and formerly from the Center for Competition Law and Economics at the University of Stellenbosch. My research has mostly been in applied econometrics. However, my current research projects at the Saab include evaluating the pass-through of monetary policy on bank deposits and lending rates, assessing the effect of bond purchases on liquidity, pricing volatility, and foreign participation. And then, of course, the research we will be discussing today. Okay. Now, um, what drew us to this area of research is the importance of having a framework through which one can assess the sensitivity of a given currency to shocks from other currencies and to provide narratives that contextualize currency movements, in this case, specifically focusing on the South African rand. Okay, I think this is more pertinent than ever given all the sort of uncertainty we've been facing lately. So in the past, there has been much debate about the relative volatility of the rand and the factors influencing this volatility but there seems to be relatively less research into the nature of this volatility. How does your research address this gap? And what did you set out to achieve? So you're absolutely right. Um, what, how we did to address this gap is we constructed a database that measures the volatility of a large number of emerging market and developed market currencies, as well as measures of risks of currencies moving in a certain direction. And we then develop an estimate and empirical network model to measure the intensity of bilateral foreign exchange risk and return spillovers among currencies. And what we set out to achieve was to shed light on how changes in currencies, risk return profiles transmit across economies and how much of the South African Rand volatility reflects global macroeconomic fundamentals rather than uh, South African specific factors. Okay, very, very interesting. So big question then, what does your research find? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we show that uh, our model is able to highlight risk transmission channels in a timely manner during foreign exchange flash crashes and periods of heightened financial market uncertainty. So our model allows us to track these measures almost in real time. Okay. In addition, we show that variations in the risk return profile of the uh, USDZR correlate with variations in the risk return profile of many other currencies, 
And that is, this is especially notable with respect to emerging market currencies. So we interpret this as evidence of the RAND's role as a bellwether emerging market currency. Now, in other words, just that the uh, USD czar is a leading indicator that can be used to gauge the performance of emerging market currencies. Very interesting. So you mentioned that you develop a network model that highlights risk in a timely manner. What is a network model? And what are the advantages of using this model? Is it similar to the now casting technique? Um, well, a network model is a model that allows one to measure connectedness at a variety of levels from pairwise to system-wide. Okay. So this particular model, we are not using it to forecast or now cost, as you, as you mentioned, although it could be used for that purpose. Um, that is not something we set out to do in this particular piece of research. Now, for this research, we estimate a model that measures the cross-sectional and dynamic interactions among different exchange rates. And this allows us to analyze the relationships between the variation in different currencies, but also to track the evolution of spillovers from one currency to another over time. Okay. And these spillover statistics that we obtain can be used to shed light on how changes in a currency's risk return profile transmit through global foreign exchange markets and to assess the degree to which changes in the risk return profile of a given, given currency reflect global and local factors. Okay. Uh, the advantage of a network model in this case is that it allows us to unpack and empirically quantify some of the complex interconnectedness amongst a large set of currency pairs. Okay. Wow, that is very, very interesting. And I think, you know, when we're looking at those spillover effects, it's really, really interesting. You know, lately we look at how our uh, the commodity market, as we mentioned in our previous podcast, um, you know, the effects that the American stimulus had on our, you know, on the commodity market and how that affected us. It's really interesting, especially with the, you know, the dynamic of foreign exchange. So just to draw us back to your research then, could you tell us a little bit more about your data set? How did you go about creating it and what goes into it? Well, we have a rather large data set. So our data set consists of 12 developed markets and eight emerging market currencies, with each expressed in units of foreign, foreign currency per US dollar. So we construct mid rates as the midpoint of the bid and ask prices at the intraday level. And our original data is at a one minute interval. And following then the standard convention in the literature, we convert this to five-minute intervals in order to reduce microstructure noise. Okay. And our sample starts in February of 2006 and only ends in February of 2021. That must be huge. Um, in addition to this, <laughs> no, in, in terms of file size, it is, it is massive. Um, so... We also then take obviously significant care at removing weekends and days where there is little to no market activity that could potentially bias um, any of the estimates. And we then use these intraday mid rates to compute the first four realized moments of the return distribution at a daily frequency. So that is the 
log return, realized variance, skewness, and kurtosis. Now, the interesting part is what each of these moments allows us to evaluate is the following. The realized variance captures the dispersion of returns, which is a measure of uncertainty. The skewness allows us to look at the tendency of a currency to move in a particular direction. Okay. And lastly, the kurtosis provides us with a measure of the probability of large changes in a currency based on the intraday returns. Okay, very, very interesting. So how then does your model contextualize abrupt movements in the exchange rates? So to answer that question, we produce heat maps that summarize wow. the connectedness among currencies. And these shows us what the role is of each currency in the network. Okay. Now to look at days of abrupt movements, we use a rolling sample analysis, which allows us to demonstrate that changes in the structure of the um, strange rate network occurs at the time of known risk events for the South African RAC. And then we show that these changes can shed light on the key sources of risk affecting the RAC. So okay. we consider three classes of events that causes abrupt movements in exchange rates. So the first class would be idiosyncratic domestic events, like uh, in the South African case when Finance Minister Nene was dismissed. Uh, second class would be looking at idiosyncratic foreign events. So an example of that would be when the Chinese stock market slumped in the beginning of 2016 that caused a uh, risk of sentiment. And then the third class is global events. An example of that would be like the Brexit referendum or the current COVID pandemic. Yes, I remember that at the time of Brexit, I think it was 2016, our rand went up to or down to about, it went over the 20 rand to the pound mark, which almost gave me a heart attack. But tell me then, how connected is the rand with developed markets and emerging markets? And why is this the case? Uh, yes, you're absolutely correct. Um, what we saw, for example, during uh, this global event was that as a result, the rand strengthened quite a lot uh, against the pound, okay. um, with the, the, the pound uh, losing quite a bit of ground uh, against a large number of currencies. Now, um, overall, we show that the rand plays an important informational role in among emerging market currencies. And we also find that the USDZAR correlates with global risks. So for example, the Brexit exa example that we just used, mm -hmm. um, as well as South African specific risk events. And we also find that overall full sample, it is only in periods of stress. So like the Brexit referendum, that the South African RAND is a net source of spillover to developed markets. While for emerging markets, it's a significant source of net spillover over much of our sample period. And this would suggest that the RAND plays a significant role in emerging market currency portfolios. Then also the role of the RAND as a bellwether currency for emerging markets could most likely be attributed to relatively sophisticated financial markets in South Africa and relatively high foreign exchange liquidity in the, in the RAND. Okay, very, very interesting. So should any of our listeners be interested in developing a similar model, what three pieces of advice would you give them? 
Well, um, we would be very happy to share our code for replication uh, once our paper is published. Oh, wow. Um, if, if anybody would like to develop their own model, my advice would be to first brush up on your R or Python skills. Um, and then uh, I think a good place to start would be to look at the work on network models of uh, Debolt and Yilmaz. Okay. And then especially the work of one of our co-authors, Greenwood Nemo. Thank you, Rousseau. We can put some of the information linked to those papers on our website and you can find them next to this podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners, Rousseau? Um, yes, I'd just also like to mention that some of our slides for similar talks that we have, have used is, is publicly available. Um, those okay. links should also, should also be uploaded. Definitely. Um, and then, yeah, I would just like to thank you for the opportunity to discuss our paper with your listeners. Thank you, Rousseau. Only a pleasure. This, I think, is really, really important research. And thank you so much for digging into the intricacies of such. Definitely going to take us to good places in the future. Also, a big thank you to our listeners. And for those of you that are interested in learning even more about this topic, please email me at margaux at econrsa.org. Margot at econrsa.org. And I can guide you to some more of these resources. Thank you. And also remember to follow us on our social media channels. Till next time, this is your host, Margot G.